0: CHAPTER V OF GOD'S FOOL BY MARTEN MARTENS. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. RECORDING BY ANNA SIMON. LIGHT AND SHADE Elias did not immediately become irretrievably blind. After a few anxious hours his sight returned. He looked round and feebly recognized his father and stroked his hand. And a little later he sat up in bed and smiled. Then the doctor took his hat and went home and when the doctor's wife who had set up for him met him in the passage and said well he answered her abruptly don't ask me and brushed past her into his study and banged the door it was not dr pillenar elias had cried in vain for dr pillenar the man who had ruined pillenar dared not ask his aid the child grew better without it for a time at any rate he could see but now, under the stress of this new calamity, he confessed to those continual headaches he had not dared to complain of before. His frightened stepmother reproached him for his reticence. "'Yes, I very often have a pain over my eyes,' he admitted. "'But, mother, I didn't think I might.' "'This is not a melancholy story. I refuse to be told that it is melancholy.' ends well you who can see and won't and won't hear and can you will envy my blind child yet when the lights and shadows change in the meantime he was more interesting than ever and the doctors talked him over at the club there is some permanent injury to the brain from the effects of the original blow said the physician last called in the communication between it and the organs of sense suffers in consequence First the hearing was intercepted, now it is the eyesight. "'I've always said the brain could not entirely recover,' interposed Dr. Pillenar. He was heartily sorry for the patient, but he was a little glad that his prognostic should not have proved erroneous. "'It is like a volcanic territory,' began another man, who liked to hear himself speak. "'There has been a subsidence or an eruption.' "'and the telegraph wires have come down. "'So long the boy is blind. "'As soon as the communication is re-established, "'or succeeds in re-establishing itself, "'he can see again. "'You will have another upheaval presently, "'and another crash. "'And some day it will be with the eyes as with the ears, "'and no one will be able to put the telegraph poles up again.' "'Poor little chap!' said the doctor, who had witnessed the flash of the first telegram after the interruption between father and son. "'But for heaven's sake!' cried Pilonair excitedly. "'You who have influence with the father, get him to see some great specialist, get him to take the child to Utrecht, or abroad, if he wants to go farther and fare worse.' The other doctor mentioned this idea to Lossell next time they met. The idea was a good one, and the frightened lad went with his stepmother to Utrecht, and had to undergo the ordeal of the railway journey and the long wait in that sickening ante-room. All doctors' ante-rooms are sickening if you are really ill. And the solemn trial with its suspenseful watching of the great man's kindly face. And then, because he was a child, they mercifully sent him away before the final verdict, as if it lightened the victim's doom to leave the sword suspended over his head. Alas, the sword was indeed suspended there and no medical science could unhook it the famous oculist could only speak of possibility and hope the eyes were sound strong healthy and beautiful still the danger lay in the brain and of diseases of the brain my dear madam shall i be absolutely straightforwardly truthful neither i nor the brain doctors know anything at all as yet as long as the attack had not repeated itself however there was every hope of its not proving of serious importance. In this all the wise men were agreed. A single seizure might signify nothing. A recurrence would mean ruin. It must be avoided at all cost. A residence of several months in a milder climate was suggested. Could mynheer Lossell see his way to arranging that it should take place? I will sacrifice anything I possess to save the child's eyes, said Hendrik Lossel it is a matter of life and death to me of life and death anything he possesses people smiled to each other a little skeptically when those words were repeated at the club yet they did wrong they did not know to begin with how much hendrik lossell possessed they could but take off their hats to his carriage in the street and not to the contents of his strong box so elias was sent away to clarence and instructed to play about in the open air, and to drink as much milk as he could swallow. He did not like the milk, but he liked driving the cows, so they allowed him to combine the two, and he was happy. It was his old nurse, Johanna, who made this arrangement for him, and many others. Mevrouw Lossel could not leave the cares of her household, so Johanna was sent for. Johanna, who had watched over Elias's golden morning, who had loved his mother with unreasoning affection, and who had only left the family because she could not endure the sight of another woman in the dead mistress's place. She had reproached herself a thousand times for having deserted the orphan, and she accepted mynheer Lossell's proposal as a message of reconciliation with heaven. What mattered it that she was called to face all the terrors of a foreign country, a land of mountains and cataracts, and other traps for the unwary? a land where it would be impossible for her to obtain that bi-hourly cup of coffee which is the fetish of Dutch domestic servants. She bravely answered all the forebodings of her terrified circle of acquaintance with the words, "'I shall be caring for Elias.' And she went forth undauntedly into the jaws of the unknown like a female Stanley with her charge and my in a first-class carriage, changed at Cologne. Her old mother and three sisters watched the fast train speed away, into the distance, into an infinitesimal black vagueness, into emptiness. There was nothing left of her, nothing but a memory and a prayer. She had her coffee at Cologne, but she had no coffee between Cologne and Bale. She survived the omission. The spell was broken, and I believe she is a contented woman still rooms had been found for her and the child in the house of a widow whose husband had been swiss watchmaker in a dutch country town the landlady therefore spoke a few words of dutch and understood a good many more had this not been the case she could hardly have accepted the charge of her lodgers for elias was prevented by his infirmity from picking up words of a foreign tongue as other children would have done and as for johanna to her, the whole French language appeared to present no definite sounds of which a rational, full-toned organ of speech could possibly lay hold. The people, she said, are all butterflies, and the French words are just like moths. They go flying, flying past you, and when you succeed in grabbing hold of one of them, it crumbles away to nothing in your hand. Johanna very seldom caught her moths. They spent two months together at Clown's, two months of a superbly fading autumn, watching the crimson glow pale off into an ashen grey. Around them the late roses in neat beds of cultivated colour. Before them the blue serenity of far-stretching water, the limpid lake, and opposite, ascending above the sloping masses of russet and golden and faintest yellow, those sylvan splendours of nature's gorgeous death. O'ertopping topping all that changes with our changeful seasons, towering high into the presence of the unalterable, the pure summits of eternal snow. The child, whose eyes had never before lifted themselves to any earthly object sublimer than a church weathercock, now gazed with awestruck wonder upon these heights that yearn towards the stars. He realised, untold, not so much their loftiness or their purity as their unbroken silence, the snow-bound unapproachableness in which they rest throughout the ages. It must be very still up yonder, he felt, always still, as in the stillness of his own young heart, on which no ripple ever broke, of other laughter than his own. And the mountains drew nigh to him in his loneliness, through one of those inexplicable childish whims of sympathy, which sometimes bind our early years in a communion with nature, which we never quite lose in afterlife. He would fancy himself a mountain, the might, tall, majestic, untouched by the world's coming and going, far away in the hush of God, nearer to heaven in the solitude and in the silent waiting. And he would nod to the great grey pile beneath the dropping clouds. "'We are friends, you and I,' he said aloud. "'Johanna,' poised her uplifted needle in her hand, and stopped to look at him. He was gazing into the lofty distance, into limitless, transparent azure, away beyond the mountains, beyond the clouds. Johanna shook her head. The next moment he was romping through the little garden, the music of his own merriment filling his desolate heart. For Tonnerre had pounced upon him. Tonnerre, the landlady's nondescript spaniel, who owed his tremendous name to the unreasonable rumble by which he invariably showed his discontent. Tonnerre's discontent was chronic. His health was perfect, though Madame Jouberton tried to make everyone, herself included, believe that bodily affliction accounted for his ill-temper. It was a pious fraud, common to the womankind connected with grumblers. As a rule, the people who never cease complaining complain without occasion, for you cannot possibly always hit on a just cause of complaint. So they get into the habit of discontinuing their search for a reason, and they soon find out that they can get on far more fluently without. Illogically, then, for he was intensely illogical, a human failing rarely found in dogs, tonnerre had taken a great liking to Elias, which he showed him chiefly by pouncing upon him unawares. He had early perceived that the deaf boy could not hear but only see him and he utilized the discovery by inventing a game which would suit these unusual circumstances elias played with his four-footed companion as often as the latter would permit sometimes a little oftener the child was happy at clarence everybody was kind to him johanna loved him madame de jouberton after he had been in her house for nine minutes loved him too. She was not, you will notice, a very soft-hearted woman. Most women love an afflicted child when they meet with it at first sight, and do not take nine minutes to make up their minds about the matter. God bless their motherly hearts! "'Do you know,' said Elia's one day, after he had been sitting a long time pensive at his nurse's feet, "'You are—I don't quite know how, but I think, Johanna—' I think you are like mamma. I mean he added after a moment in a solemn whisper, I mean mamma in heaven. Johanna vigorously shook her head in protest, but his eyes were not turned towards her. I can't say how I mean like he went on thoughtfully. Not like her portrait in the library, but like her to me somehow like the smell of roses, you know. They look so different, till you smell them, and then they are the same. And it isn't the smell, Johanna. I don't know what it is. It's the feel, I think. Since I am deaf, I seem to feel different. And when it... it tingles, then it reminds me. And the tingles go together. I can't make you understand, but I understand for myself.' It's the tingle, does it, not the smell. She understood, indistinctly, yet enough, and she caught up the little fellow in her arms. Two days afterwards she found him crying in his bed. A great boy of eleven! Fie upon him! What was he crying for? He did not dare to tell her. At last it came out among the sobs. It was so wicked of him, and he was ashamed of it, but the thought had come upon him that tonnerre was like mamma and so love the divine word beyond human utterance stammered forth its first broken accents upon the silence of the deaf boy's heart a glow of kindness spread around and over him bringing with it undefined reminiscences of the opening scenes of his existence people not only made those necessary signs to him which they had always made since he had lost his hearing. But they added superfluous ones, little unexpected nods and smiles and twitches of the eyes, which came to him now as so many gentle words and terms of endearment come to more fortunate children. Johanna would sit watching to catch his eye, and his glad, frank flash of recognition would amply repay her for any tenderness she bestowed upon him. Madame juberton's increasing affection took the form of increasing sweetmeats the more her heart warmed towards elias the bigger she made her tarts and it was not till she reached the limit of her largest pudding mould that she found out how inconvenient is the limitlessness of the human soul he liked the tarts no fear of his not liking them for he was a bright boy with a healthy appetite and nothing about him of those transcendental little wretches who are too good to succumb to a weakness for goodies i am sorry to own i fear he was not at all particularly good his stepmother was right in saying that there was no danger of his dying from premature development of wings he did not want his wings to develop he did not want to die he was self-willed and he always gave the preference to his own view of his own requirements as older children are apt to do at times, and he had occasional fits of mischief, as when he put Tonnerre into the milk-pail, because someone had explained to him, the other day, that thunder had turned the milk. He soon began trying to bully Johanna, and sometimes he succeeded, and sometimes he didn't. He did not mope about his deafness, for, thank God, he did not fully realise it, and, with the insouciance of his age, he had forgotten all about the scare of his blindness. He did not think he was going to be blind. They had said it would be all right now the weakness kept away. He sat, with Tonnerre asleep on his knees, and Johanna at work as usual by his side, watching the hushed sunset of a beautiful autumn evening. Johanna was knitting a set of reins for him, crimson wool with tinkling bells. She had been busy over them for some time, and he watched her work with increasing interest. "'When you are ready,' "'I shall be your horse,' he said. "'I'm sure now I prefer being horse. "'I've made up my mind, "'because it is so nice to be able to run wherever one likes.' "'Johanna nodded back to him "'and beamed all over her genial face. "'Then she said to him on her fingers, "'for she had learned to use these signs with extreme facility, "'that they would go for their long-planned excursion "'to the mountains on the other side "'as soon as the reins were ready. "'Tomorrow, perhaps, or the day after.' and he should lead her all the time.' He flushed up with pleasure, as he watched her nimble movements. "'That will be splendid,' he answered. "'Splendid!' He loved sweetmeats, undoubtedly, but he loved sweet words far better, and those fond glances best of all. The pale autumnal light was rapidly shadowing over, so rapidly that it seemed as if you could almost watch the folds of the mantle of night come falling one by one across the landscape. A moment ago, the whole mountainside had been one great mass of sunlit foliage, swept together in tumbled waves of crimson and sheets of coloured gold. The confusion of splendor was already gone. A wide smoothness of dull orange was deepening into indefinite gray and the cold, still sky was shrouding itself in mist. The sun had sunk from sight behind the mountains yonder, where his radiance still lay white. Elias sat looking intently on the spot where he had disappeared. The nurse shuddered. The autumn air was cold and earthy, wet with decay and approaching death. "'Let us go in,' she said. But Alias clung to her and held her fast. Oh, it is beautiful, he said. Beautiful! What a beautiful thing to see! She drew him into the house and helped him to get into bed, and she sat watching him for many minutes after he had dropped fast asleep. And the next morning, when Elias again opened his eyes, he found that God had left him nothing in the world for them to open on. End of chapter 5